This is Linda Cohn from ESPN, and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter. The ML Sports Platter back with you all over the major platforms. Brought to you by Rosie's Corner, Burton Ace Hardware, Stanley Law Offices, and our great friends over at the Vince Aguera Consulting Group. Log on to vcgtransforms.com. That's vcgtransforms.com. Become a better leader both personally and professionally with the Vince Aguera Consulting Group. Huge tip of the cap. Thank you as well to our friends from Stumbling Monkey Brewing Company and the Swan and Whitaker families for their continued support of the ML Sports Platter. I'm going to focus in on a guy on this entire podcast. I'm going to start doing these very often. When a And it's not to demean anybody who isn't as big of a name, isn't as iconic, isn't as generational, isn't as legendary. It's not that at all. Um, but... I'm going to do more and more kind of tribute podcasts to guys and, and, and kind of, you know, shape their career and uh, over audio and, 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 and kind of bring to light some importance uh, that they had in the relative sport. And in this particular case, I, I want to talk about Dan Reeves because I feel like Dan Reeves, you know, for some reason or another, we don't think of head coaches like we do quarterbacks in terms of the Super Bowl wins, um, a lot of people don't do that. I do, because I think to myself as a Buffalo Bills fan, yeah, would I relive those four straight AFC title games for as brutal as the ending was each and every time, the most heartbreaking one being Super Bowl twenty-five. You know, that first one with the Scott Norwood missed kick, would, would, I, would I still relive it? Of course, because for five or six years, the Buffalo Bills – were one of the best teams in the NFL. They were in the top three, if not top two, easily top five um, every single year, you know? Every single year. And I think I think another thing that, that, that is important is, you know, while we... Love those four AFC teams, and we love everything that they were about as Bills fans, this and that. We would rather, we would rather trade in all those for one win. And if we did that, where is Marv Levy on the pantheon of coaches at that point? You know, maybe he reaches another AFC title game. Uh, Maybe he doesn't, but he's a Super Bowl champ. You know, like, is he now in the, you know, Brian Billick, um, you know, world, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, he might be, you know, he might be, is he in, I mean, there's so many guys who have, um, no rings who just kind of get left on the side. And really it's no different than the quarterback. How do we view Jim Kelly, Fran Tarkenton, Dan Fouts, Dan Marino, Right? Like how do we how do we view these guys if they have one ring? You know, Aaron Rodgers, I heard Greg Cosell on with Callan Cowherd recently, and he said he's not sure he's ever seen a better thrower of the football than Aaron Rodgers. I have continually put pure passer category out there, and probably the best pure passers I've ever seen, Marino, Peyton Manning, 
Brett or uh, 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 Aaron Rodgers. Best pure passers, pure. So some of those guys don't have rings. Aaron Rodgers has one, which is still, again, it takes a lot to just get one. But could you imagine the narrative that we'd be talking about each and every year with the Packers? Home field advantage, they lose in the title game to the Bucks. A couple of blowouts here and there, 49ers exposing them. Here we go again in 2021-2022 uh, time frame, right? Like, they got it again. Home field advantage, number one seed, Aaron Rodgers at an MVP level. Oh, by the way, he won that award last year. They're better, they're deeper, they're more versatile. They have the best receiver in football, right? All those things. Can Aaron Rodgers get over the hump? That's what we will be talking about every single day ad nauseum. Because that's what we do. We value the Super Bowl ring so much for quarterbacks. And for some reason or another, people don't do it this the, the exact same way with the head coaches. But yet, it happens, is what I'm trying to say. It still happens without us doing it as much as we do quarterbacks. Like Eli Manning right now, most people think he's a Hall of Famer. Why? Two rings. It's that simple. Now, did the defensive front help out a lot? Of course, it's a team game. But Eli Manning in the fourth quarter, breaking away from rushes from New England and firing those balls off to David Tyree, who made a crazy, crazy, crazy catch, right? And Plaxico Burris and others, like, that was a part of it. Eli was still pretty darn good and clutch in clutch, you know, on the big stage in the fourth quarter, etc. All I'm telling you is that even if we do it, I think it's unfair. I think it's unfair because Dan Reeves was a consummate professional. He was a consummate ambassador. And, you know, look, he didn't win a Super Bowl, but... Can we also talk about the next hardest thing besides winning a Super Bowl? And that's getting to a Super Bowl. Right? And then, obviously, more difficult than even winning one is two and, and three and four. That's why the whole Brady thing is just mind-boggling. Um, but Reeves, you know, he participated in nine. In nine total Super Bowls as a player and head coach. That's the third most for an individual. Spent the entirety of his eight-year season, uh, eight eight-season career with the Cowboys. He was an undrafted free agent in 1965. Think about that, right? And there's there are numbers that bear weight to this guy who should be in the Hall of Fame. And that's all there is to it. And by the way, before I get into those numbers and before I get into the head coach Reeves and, and a little bit of the player. Um, and I'm going to kind of mix all this in together. The recent deaths of John Madden and Dan Reeves have made me think about something big time in the halls of fame, right? And I think it's more a football thing because I, I, I just think it comes up more. <clears throat> um, it's still something in baseball, but oftentimes it's just a few instances where guys cross over. Right? Like they're a player and then a manager like a Joe Torre who wasn't a Hall of Fame player. Great player, but wasn't an, a Hall of Fame player. But then he got in as a manager, right? Um, you know, Phil Rizzuto, player. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer, 
uh, despite what everybody, you know, says about the little spark plug of those 40s, 50s teams of the Yankees, etc. That's nice. He was a really, really nice player. Great bunner, great fielder, awesome, consummate teammate and professional. But I don't think he was a Hall of Famer. But then he went into broadcasting. So, you know, I think he probably could be in the broadcasting booth way, 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 way more than he should be in the Great Hall as a player. What am I getting at? There are cases, John Madden in the NFL, unbelievable head coach, legendary, impactful broadcaster, generational with his video games, right? And really generational with the other two as well. I mean, you know, you could loop all those big words I used in the beginning for all three phases of John Madden's life, all three careers inside his amazing life. What I'm getting at is that maybe there's a situation where, let's say Madden and Reeves were a little shorter in their respective areas. You know, maybe Madden was a little shorter as head coach in terms of the res- resume and didn't do the video game thing to that big of an effect and was a broadcaster but didn't have that great, amazing effect. And let's say the Madden Cruiser only lasted for a couple of years, but he didn't change our lives on Thanksgiving. You know, something to pull away from what the resume really says. Maybe the NFL should have a committee that's on the side that votes on strictly, you know, I don't know what you call it, the versatility award, you know, the versatility hall of famer, right? If they encompass all of those things and they were really good to great in each of them, but they weren't elite in one. Now Madden was elite in all of them, but it got me to thinking that a lot of these guys who are, you know, these generational guys, you know, but they fall short in a couple categories and it had to be multiple, obviously, because you know, if you took a guy like, you know, like Madden and you said, oh, just the head coach, well, he's a Hall of Famer, you know, just a broadcaster, huh? Hall of Famer, uh, the, the video game, oh, entrepreneur, the business side of him, uh, generational impact, blah, 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 you know, the, the game being learned on Madden by so many of today's NFL players, they've admitted so, um, you know, the, 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 the absolute, um, wish and want as youngsters to be on the cover, like Patrick Mahomes said in that great all Madden special directed by Tom Rinaldi, right? But if you took a little bit off of, you know, Madden in in one of those areas or two, and then in the other one, he was almost there. And in the other two, he was almost, almost there. And then almost, 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 you know, he would be a good example in that world of maybe being into the Hall of Fame for for what I'm saying, right? In Dan Reese's case, he probably should go into the Hall of Fame's head coach. Now, he was a really, really good player too. By the way, one of only nine NFL head coaches to win 200 games, that's pretty good. Pretty good. Reeves has the most playoff wins and Super Bowl appearances uh, among NFL co- coaches who have not won a championship, we know the other names. I mentioned one, Marv Levy, the other one, Bud Grant. A um, couple other things with him. Holds the head coaching record for most regular season losses in the NFL, which, <clears throat> again, is indicative of what Cy Young was, right? Cy Young, most wins. It's going to be untouchable, most losses. I guess sometimes when you go out there enough times, you're going to lose. Like, Duke has lost to Mercer in the NCAA tournament. Does that take away from Coach K's resume? No. He holds the head coaching record for most regular season losses, which I mentioned, although Reeves has a higher winning percentage than Jeff Fisher. 
Reeves, one of only two eligible NFL head coaches with 200 career wins who have not been inducted into the Hall of Fame. He was AP Coach of the Year twice in 83 with the Giants and 80, uh, 98 with the Falcons. And he is in the Broncos Ring of Fame uh, from the year 2014. Now, Reeves, <clears throat> again, here's back to that versatility award. Reeves was not a Hall of Fame player. Period. End of discussion. He wasn't. He was not a Hall of Fame player. Um, he came out of South Carolina, undrafted in 65, and it was at that point where Tom Landry was looking for a little bit more speed at running back. Uh, they had shifted all pro safety Mel Renfro to, to offense. Um, and by the way, can we mention that Dan Reeves offered got professional sports offers from the Cowboys, the Chargers, that's NFL, AFL, and the Pittsburgh Pirates in Major League Baseball? He ended up signing, obviously, with Dallas as an undrafted free agent in 65. Um, to play safety, but then he was moved to halfback when a series of injuries and, uh, you know, depleted depth and all the rest during training camp, more speed at running back, all the things <clears throat> that I'm getting into. So Reeves took advantage, you know, 757 yards rushing, 96 points, finishing second receiving with 557 yards. I mean, that was right away. He was really good. Um, helped the Cowboys take some of the running load from fullback Don Perkins, reached their first championship game, and he set a franchise record with 16 touchdowns, eight rushing, eight receiving, had over 1,300 all-purpose yards, which was, you know, pretty darn good, was six in the NFL in rushing, <clears throat> first in touchdowns, six in scoring, and he was sporting news all-pro team uh, at the end of the year. You know, he kept going on and on and on. He was a dual threat. Back-to-back -back seasons with more than 600 yards rushing. Ranked second on the team in rushing with 603 yards. Third in receiving with 490. I mean, he kept going, kept going, kept going. And in eight seasons with Dallas, he collected 1,990 rushing yards, 1,693 receiving yards, and 42 touchdowns. That is really, really good in eight seasons. Go look at guys who have... Hall of Fame careers playing, you know, 12, 13, 14 years. All you have to do is double Dan Reeves' numbers, really, for possible enshrinement. That's all you have to do. You know, this guy was a pretty darn good player. I'm not saying he was a Hall of Fame player, but he was a pretty darn good one. Cowboys made the playoffs every year. They reached the Super Bowl twice. And they culminated in a 24-3 victory over the Dolphins in Super Bowl VI. Following the 71 season. Super Bowl five, Everybody knows about it. Cowboys, Colts tied at 13. Last two minutes. Let a pass go through. His hands, it was intercepted. Which set up the Colts in Dallas territory. And then the Colts won the game on a 32-yard field goal from Jim O'Brien with five seconds left. That's probably the only, only, only gaffe of Dan Reeves in the playoffs. That's it. And one of the biggest moments of his career, he threw a touchdown pass in the Cowboys' losing effort in the Ice Bowl against the Packers. Arguably the most famous game, certainly was the coldest of all time. Like, what are we doing if Bart Starr doesn't QB sneak it in? 
right? Like what what are we what are we doing? What are we doing? What are we talking about? Is it Dan Reeves in the ice bowl? You know? Probably. Probably. I think he was a really, really good player. Again, not a Hall of Fame player, but a really, really good one. And that's, again, back to what I was saying with the versatility award. Like, if you if you created something like this, and, it, you know, not a lot of guys are going to get in in this category, but it'd just be kind of a specialized thing. Much like the Baseball Hall of Fame keeps changing their committees to start recognizing different eras, and then somehow somebody gets in. It's like, okay, well, that could have been created 20 years ago. Like, right? We could have created that 15, 20 years ago, and then somebody could have actually put Buck O'Neill in the Hall of Fame, you know? Buck O'Neill wasn't a Hall of Fame player, but he's a Hall of Famer from, you know, all the ambassador side and obviously his Negro League career, you know. Dan Reeves, if people don't think he's a Hall of Famer as a coach, the versatility thing could get him in there because he was a really, really good player, not elite, not a Hall of Fame player, but you take that with his coaching career and ba-boom, lights out career, right? Like you mix them together and whoa. And then obviously... He had a lot of success with the Denver Broncos, right? Like he joined the Broncos in 81, vice president, head coach. They get John Elway in, in a trade. And Reeves guided the Broncos to six postseason appearances, five division titles, three AFC title game uh, championships, and three Super Bowl appearances. Lost them all, still got there. Only AFC coach in the decade of the 80s to lead his team to consecutive Super Bowl bursts. And his Broncos appeared in the Super Bowl three times during a span of four years. Broncos were an elite team <clears throat> with John Elway leading the way. And then I think people need to realize that he had a really nice impact with other teams, right? Like he was hired as head coach by the Giants for the 93 season. First season, 11-5, and five, birth in the playoffs, boom. Reeves' 93 season record is the best ever for a first-year Giants coach. Trademark franchise. Bill Parcells doesn't have that record, you know, Tom Coughlin doesn't have that record. Dan Reeves does. And he was named the 93 Associated Press Coach of the Year. Helped him improve from 6-10 and 10 in 92 to 11-5 and 5 in the playoffs right out of the chute. He was fired in 95. Uh, well, he was fired after, excuse me, 95 and 96 losing campaigns. 5-11 and 11 and 6-10. and 10. Shows you how quick the NFL can be, right? Like 93, 94, 95, 96. Did some really good things. Struggled at the back end for a quick... Oh, no, we're done. Four years. That, that's it for you. Like That stuff was even going on in the 90s. Like, four years. He had a couple bad years. Wasn't allowed to stay. So then the Falcons take advantage. Reeves was named head coach of the Falcons in 97. Under his watch, the Dirty Birds came to fruition. A team that was 3-13 in 1996. I mean, this guy had like that Billy Martin-esque quality to him, right? get to a place and just completely and utterly reshape them. You know, they steadily improved seven and nine in his first year, then 14 and two in 98. That was a really good team, right? Jamal Anderson and company, the dirty birds shaking it, all that, right? Captured their first NFC championship and he became the third coach in history. Bill Parcells, Chuck Knox being the others to lead three different franchises to the playoffs. Unbelievable. And then he fought the adversity, right? Coached the Falcons to a 12-2 record before being hospitalized for the final two regular season games 
to undergo quadruple bypass heart surgery in December. <laughs> Manages to return, leads them to victory in the uh, in their first NFC championship, and that was a big deal for the city of Atlanta. Big deal. I mean, technically, that kind of really put them on, you know, the NFL map pre Michael Vick, and you know the the team that really should have won the Super Bowl over the Patriots with a 28-3 lead. And, you know, look, they went and lost to his former team in Denver and all that. I get it. Um, but he was named 98 Coach of the Year in the NFL. Um, and, and I just thought that he was a really, really good head coach. And he was in an era. Now, look, I know he had Elway, right? That was a big thing. That That's one of the big criticisms uh, that people have of Reeves is – Hey, you know you had a generational all-time guy. Every every head coach needs a need, need, needs a quarterback, an elite quarterback. You had him. You know you had him. You you still couldn't get anything done with it. Well, anything done, if that's defined by a Super Bowl, then we can talk about a whole lot of people in this game that way. We can talk about my favorite player. Jim Kelly, and my favorite head coach in Marv Levy. You know, we can talk about elite, great, unbelievable players. Bruce Smith, Andre Reid, you know, Thurman Thomas. We can talk about really good to great players. Mark Clayton, Mark Duper, right, when they play with Dan Marino. There are a lot of instances where guys, <clears throat> you know, came up short, didn't win a Super Bowl. Dan Reeves is one of those guys. But I think we kind of have to come back just a little bit and understand the quote that Jim Cott gave me, who just got elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame on those two, you know, modern committees looking at the different decades, 50s, 60s, 70s, etc. Uh, you know, it was Cott, Oliva, Buck O'Neill, um, Bud Fowler, Gil Hodges, um, and... I, I think we need to, to, to look at it. Who am I forgetting? Cott, Oliva, Buck O'Neill, Fowler, Gil Hodges. I feel like there's another one that I'm that I'm forgetting. Um but you you have to you have to listen to this, and I'm paraphrasing. Oh, Minnie Minoso was the other one. So Cott, Oliva. Hodges, Minoso, Buck O'Neill, Bud Fowler. And then we're waiting on, you know, who else. Um, but Jim Cott told me, because <clears throat> he waited and waited and waited, right? And I had had him on a bunch of times before. He never stressed about it. He had an unbelievable broadcasting career. You want to talk about a Hall of Fame broadcaster? Woo, there he is, Jim Cott. <laughs> One of the best color guys ever. Um... And he said, and I'm, I'm, I'm slightly paraphrasing, but his answer when I was like, you know, hey, you know, the, you waited, you never stressed it, blah, blah, blah. He said, no. And, and he said, you know, there are different Hall of Famers. He's like, there's different levels of Hall of Famers. And boy, is he right. He's going to get in. But he's not Christy Mathewson. He's not Sandy Koufax. He's not Bob Gibson or Whitey Ford. But he's Hall of Famer. And I think... That's okay. You can still be elite in your sport 
The list of elite can go a little bit long. Then you get to great and you get to really good. You know? Phil Rizzuto, really good to great. Was not elite. Was not a Hall of Fame player. Neither was Bill Mazeroski. A lot of guys are not Hall of Famers in that place. Few probably aren't in the NFL Hall of Fame, right? But like a few guys should be in the Hall of Fame. And you don't have to win five, six, seven Super Bowls to get into the Hall of Fame. You know, you don't have to win nine pennants and six World Series to be a Hall of Famer. Ernie Banks played for the Chicago Cubs, never played in the World Series. Never, right? One of the greatest players of all time. Let's play two, 500 home run club, right? Like this guy, you know, Chicago Cubs legend, number retired. People who played in that era, you know, you'd be hard-pressed not putting him on your all-time baseball team. I'm talking historical baseball team as a shortstop, right? Never played in the World Series, ever. So, you know, he might be, he might be, you could argue him as being the, if you had to do a list of, like, greatest players to never play in the World Series, I mean, probably Ernie Banks is up there, right? I mean, even Dan Marino played in a Super Bowl, right? Like, Ted Williams played in a World Series. Williams got to just one, right? Like, just like Marino got to one Super Bowl. He got he got to a Super Bowl in his rookie year, Marino. Lost, and then never got back. Ted Williams, one postseason appearance in 46. One. One. That's it. Lost to the St. Louis Cardinals in seven games. Never got back. All the other years, couldn't get past the Yankees. Couldn't get past DiMaggio. Doesn't take away a darn thing from Ted Williams. In fact, as I wrap up, I got a couple little things to, to mention. When you look at Ted Williams in the Boston annals of sports, right? I, for a while, was barking up the tree that David Ortiz should be on the Mount Rushmore over Williams simply because, you know, put the city on his back, beloved, uh, the Boston Marathon stuff, winning rings. I mean, as I say this, I'm throwing up in my mouth. Um, but, like, impact, and then you look at the player, you look at the numbers, right? You look at the clutchness, all that sort of thing. And Williams didn't have a great World Series in 46, but he only had one shot. Like, what happens if he gets back four, five, six times? We'll never know. You know, maybe he has two or three really great, unbelievable Mickey Mantle-like World Series. We'll, we'll never know. We'll never know. But Ortiz had him over and over and over again. And I looked at it, I was like, wow, you know, the rings, it pushes him over the edge. But you know what? I was so wrong. I went through that little stretch, five, six, seven-year stretch. I was so wrong. No way. I don't care if David Ortiz won all those rings. There's no way you can put him on the Mount Rushmore ahead of Ted Williams. Ted Williams is arguably the greatest hitter of all time. Ted Williams won two MVPs, two triple crowns, six batting titles, five Major League Player of the Years, ten, uh, not a 19-time All-Star. And oh, by the way, I didn't see David Ortiz flying in fighter jets in World War II, you know? Not just for, like, the American part of, like, the link to baseball, but how about the numbers? Ted Williams had 521 home runs. He had 1,839 RBI, right? He had 2,654 hits. Do you know where those numbers are if those three seasons aren't taken away in his prime? Because the years before that, Ted Williams was going 137 for RBI, 120. He was hitting 36, 37 out of the park each year, right? 
135-41 runs scored, hits, 185-186-193 type of area, right? Those were the numbers. He hit 406 in 1941. My goodness. He was in his prime. He came back and hit a measly 356. Look at these numbers. It's absurd. His OPS was 1,287 in 1941. It was 1147 and 42. Three years in the military. My God. You can add, I would say, minimum. He has 130 RBI every year, right? So that puts him at 130, 130, 260, 360, 390. Let's push that up over to 400. Because he probably goes 132, 135, whatever. So 400 more RBI. Well, now you're dealing with somebody who is ahead of Hank Aaron all time. Hank Aaron, I believe, without looking, 2,257 RBI all time. Williams would have more. 1839 as it sits now, 200, 2239, 50. Yeah, you add, you add another, well, 400, 2230. Sorry, I, I added wrong. He, he'd be like 18 shy of Aaron. If it were 400 on the nose, but, but still like ridiculous, ridiculous number. He probably actually would be the leader because it'd be one of those years. He would have had more than 130, right? One of them. But he had 159 RBI in 1949. What I'm getting at is Ted Williams never won a world series. He's one of the iconic, unbelievable players of all time. He is on the Mount Rushmore of, the, of Boston sports. He is uh, just was a consummate professional. Uh, didn't get along with the media, was kind of prickly and all the rest, but you cannot deny his place in baseball history. You can't. And American history, for that matter. You can't. What, are you going to keep him out of the Hall of Fame because he didn't win a World Series? You know, him, Ernie Banks? What I'm getting at is you don't have to win nine rings. You know? You don't have to win, you know, you don't have to win ten pennants and six World Series. You don't have to win seven Super Bowls to make the World to, to make the Hall of Fame, right? Dan Reeves is a Hall of Famer. Period. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a Hall of Fame head coach. And if he's not a Hall of Fame head coach, when you take the head coach resume, like I've talked about, and, you know, you you, you take the versatility part of it with him playing, take a, a, a splash of the player, splash of that coach, voila, you have a Hall of Famer. But I don't know if they'll ever do that. I think it would be a cool idea. I think you could have an annual thing where, you know, somebody might not get in every year. Might, they might not get in. But at least the committee is there to look at the versatility of a guy, right? I think that's totally cool. And I'm not, in closing, I, I don't want people to think that, like, I'm the everybody deserves a trophy guy. Everybody needs a cupcake, right? Everybody needs this. Everybody needs a hug and a pat on the back, even if they finish in second place, right? There is a time for losing. There's a time to understand how to bounce back from losing. There's an adversity aspect to it, right? I, I'm not a big fifth place trophy guy. I'm not. If you go into a tournament and you finish eighth out of twelfth, I don't think you necessarily need a certificate that says that you played in it. Maybe your team got a T-shirt because it was part of a you know an event. I've seen that before. Okay, well you've got a tournament T-shirt to wear proudly that you played and participated in it. What are you going to do next time, buddy? Right? Try to get off, bounce off the canvas, and do better. Those are great life lessons. No problem. Nothing comes easy, right? That's that's the moniker. That's the lesson. But in Dan Reeves' case, he is a Hall of Famer. When you look at the success with the Broncos, with the Falcons, with the Giants. Broncos, Giants, Falcons in the timeline. 
Look at the numbers. All the Super Bowl appearances. The impact he had in the game. The impact he had on teams. He deserves to be there. And when he's there, he's not Chuck Knoll. He's not Don Shula. He's not Vince Lombardi. He's not eventually Bill Belichick. He's a different level of a Hall of Famer. Like Jim Cott says, and that's okay. The ML Sports Platter is brought to you by our terrific friends over at Rosie's Corner. Pizza, pasta, hot and cold subs, and more. Get on over to Rosie's Corner for Fish Friday every single week as well. Rosie's Corner is a proud ML Sports Platter sponsor. Huge tip of the cap. Thank you as well. The Barks and Rec Doggy Daycare, Welch and Company Jewelers, Ken's Auto Detailing, and Camillus Golf Club. Open since 1962, serving Central New York golfers and golfers throughout New York State. Awesome 18-hole layout. Great views, amazing greens, awesome food and drink after your round, and you can get your 2022 membership right now. Go to CamillusHillsGolfClub.com, find out more information. CamillusHills.com. Camillus Golf Club is a proud ML Sports Platter sponsor. Thanks for listening. Hit me on Twitter, at Sports, and as I always tell you, enjoy the games. For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.